Hi, everybody. This is Mikey D. Welcome to my stoop. There once was a small American town, and although it sat in the forgotten corner of a giant city, it was much like any other small community around America. Everyone knew everyone else's name and everyone's business. Instead of a stream or a brook, we had the fire hydrant. We didn't have farmer's markets, but we did have a well-stocked bodega. And rather than sitting on the front porch to watch the little world fall by, we sat on our stoops. Now it seems like an ancient time, like it was some lost city. It was like I had watched it all from the stoops of Atlantis. I told you about my pyromania tendencies in past episodes. Yet all those fires I set ablaze in my backyard, none ever warranted the need of the help of the NYFD to extinguish, although I can't close. But there were many fires in my hood in the 1970s. Fires in the 1970s in New York is an infamous cliché. The burning Bronx was all too real, and I recall many times driving along the Bruckner with my dad to witness blocks after blocks of empty, burned-out tenements. Many were destroyed by greedy landlords looking to cash in on the insurance money. And another couple of thousand Bronx fires were started by serial killer David Berkowitz. Yep, the son of Sam was also a firebug. In East Harlem, we had building fires, car fires, dumpster fires, and garbage can fires. They all required the NYFD, New York's bravest, to put them out. And when that happened, well, it was an exciting event for this kid and his friends. We would of course climb on the trucks when we were little, and for the most part the firemen looked the other way, but only when the fire was out, or if they showed up for a false alarm. When a real fire was raging, you better clear out. And there were many, in fact there were so many, I'm not sure where to begin, but I'll narrow it down to just a few of the most memorable fires from East Harlem in the 1970s. Billy Joel sang they burned the churches up in Harlem like in that Spanish Civil War. And you know, I do remember the burning of a church on 118th Street between 1st and 2nd Avenue. That particular block was not the safest during that period. See, you learn these things when you grow up in a higher crime area of the city. Some blocks were safe, like my street. In, in fact, 118th Street, or 118 as we call it, between 1st and Pleasant, it was the jewel of East Harlem. Always the nicest, prettiest block. Yet, you traveled just a block south or a block west, and the story was quite different. You see, you got imprinted with an inner map a sort of survival GPS years before iPhones and map apps. We just knew where it was okay to walk during the day, or at night, or ever, or never. Anyway, my friends and I were sitting on the stoop when we noticed a billow of black smoke dirtying the air towards First Avenue. There's a fire, Christopher shouted. See, this was the same as an umpire shouting, play ball. We took off, and when we reached the corner across from Rex's ice shop, we could see the first of the flames peeking and poking out from the top stained glass of the church. Holy smoke, indeed. We weren't sure if anyone had called the fire department yet, but hey, we weren't going to waste the opportunity to use the fire alarm box a few feet away from us. I can recall the days when there was just a simple handle on the alarm box. You just pulled it down, and the fire department was contacted. But it had been upgraded in the new fancy, I think it was 1979 or whatever year it was, intercom style box that had separate, direct, bat phone like connections to the police and the fire department separately. It was very cool. So we pushed the button, and after a moment, a calm voice spoke. 
there's the fire. So, you know, this required a calm, intelligible, and intelligent response. They needed the location, the situation. So as kids do, we said something like this. It's a fire in the corner. It's burning in the church. We're going to get in the kind of smoke. Please, just one of you speak. Yeah, there's a fire in the corner. It's burning in the church. We're going to get in the fire. There's all kinds of smoke. One at a time, please. Okay, I stepped up. There, there's a fire in a church on a honey team between first and second. Sirens sounded. Yeah, immediately. Someone or someone's had beaten me to it. Soon, the avenue and the street were filled with fire trucks and police cars. The flames? Man, these were some of the biggest flames I ever saw. This church was really, seriously on fire. I recall seeing my cousin Ralph show up, his fire department reserve uniform on and a bag of equipment in his hands. Ralph never made it as a fireman, but he admired and held firemen in great esteem. Not sure they let him pass the barricade. I kind of doubt it, but I know he tried. I also spotted Russell, the, the bloodmaster, camera in hand, snapping away at those horrible flames pouring out of once pretty stained glass. I heard someone say arson. Who knows? Churches tend to be highly wooden, you know, pews, decorative trim. And I guess if some sick puppy added gasoline, it would be a wicked mix. We watched for over an hour as numerous hoses, including the big mounted one atop the truck, battled the flaming demons. Smoke billowed, going from thick black to pure white. Oh, I know Pope was being chosen. This church was a goner, totaled. It wasn't a Catholic church, so I, I actually never set foot inside it. But it was a sad sight. In fact, when Notre Dame in Paris uh, caught fire recently, my first thought was the church on 118th Street on that summer day when it burned. I think I recall that a couple years later, the uh, old burned-down church was replaced by a more modern, uglier-looking building. Anyway, that was perhaps maybe the biggest fire I ever personally witnessed. Called it the White Building. It stood out from the neat rows of pretty brownstones on 118th Street. It was what you would call a tenement, about maybe eight or ten stories tall, and it was made from three former individual tenement buildings. And when I was a really little kid, I remember the, the construction going on where they combined these three buildings into one. I have a single clear memory of one day I was casually looking out the window from our old railroad apartment down the street when a couple of workers tossed an old bathtub from an upper floor into a dumpster below. In the dumpster were a pile of mattresses. Yeah, you do the kooky math. Yep, right out of the Three Scrooges movies. The tub hit the mattresses, bounced up, and landed in another lower story window. It was a once in a lifetime shot. It was hilarious. I wish I had that on video. Anyway, when the three buildings became one and went from the brown buildings plural, to the white building, singular. Over the years, there were numerous fires in the white building, but one stands out. It was a top floor fire. Smoke was pouring out, and as the fire trucks pulled up and amidst the sounds of additional approaching sirens and onlookers and fire equipment being unloaded and just a general din of excitement, there was a small sound, a little voice, a feline voice, a little meow, little meows and tiny coughs. There was a kitten, standing on the windowsill outside the burning apartment. See, animals unite us, and animals in trouble bring us together for a cause. People shouted out, there's a kitten, the poor little thing. Oh my God, gracious king, cried Miss Francis. We all watched, hearts pounding as a fireman climbed the ladder of the fire escape, and floor by floor, rose closer and closer to the little coughing feline. When he reached the top floor, he reached over the railing. You see, the cat was on a window that did not lead to the fire escape. 
so his arms stretched, his fingers reached. There was a collective gasp. And he grabbed a fold of the skin on the back of the little guy's neck like a mommy cat and lifted it to safety. For that brief moment when the kitten hung over the open drop, the block was silent. Then the fireman nuzzled the kitten to his chest and the street exploded with applause as he descended the fire escape. It was a memorable and very happy moment I'll never forget. If you listen to this podcast, you know I spend much of the time telling tales of mischief and offbeat fun. But the fun my friends and I had, while while devious, was never really cruel or destructive. I can't say that for everyone else in my hood. I recall a day when two future brain surgeons decided they were bored and needed something moronic to do. I was hanging on Scott's stoop. I noticed these two kids, who, who I didn't recognize, hanging around an abandoned building on Pleasant Avenue near 118th Street. You see, you could spot mischief in the making. It's easy to see the telltale signs when someone is up to no good. I guess it's a skill that gets sharpened over the years, and mine is still sharp to this day. So I watched these, these kids, they, they pulled wooden boards off the doorway that went into this building. They had bags in their hands, and then they entered. All this was going on while me, Scott, and Joe were just chatting about whatever nonsense we were arguing or debating, or Marvel vs. DC, or the best movie, or we one time even argued over an hour or whether or not a stoop was painted red or orange. I mean, seriously. Anyway, a few minutes later, I see smoke drifting out from the abandoned building. At first I thought it was a smoke bomb or something, and these kids were nowhere in sight. But the smoke was steady and lasted much longer than any stink bomb I ever lit. There was a sudden and unmistakable flicker of flames from within the building. And before I could point it out to Joe or Scott, I heard fire trucks approach. There's a fire in that building, I said. It must have been those two kids I saw. The trucks pulled up, and as the firemen began the investigation, I glanced up, just happened to glance up, at the roof of the building. And there they were, the two rocket scientists peering down. I mean, what the heck were they doing? Did they want a bird's eye view of a firefight? I mean, lighting a fire in a building and then going up to the roof was like sawing the tree branch you're sitting on. Like I said, a couple of Nobel Prize winners. Then the ultimate in their intellectual prowess was put on display. They began tossing eggs down on the firemen. Yep, they set a fire in an abandoned building, went to the rooftop, waited for the fire department to show up, and then throw eggs at them. Can you imagine the mental machinery that could come up with that? The firemen were obviously taken aback by this. They must have called the cops because a couple of 25th priests in cars showed up. And as they continued to put the small fire out, I guess the kids just vanished. And thankfully, I never saw those two bozos again. I mean, I'm all for mischief and creative devilry, but for God's sakes, do not add arson to the mix. And, and by all means, don't throw eggs at New York's bravest. They have a tough job as it is. My eyes have seen many fires throughout my life. Some I started in my yard. But for the buildings and the cars and the dumpsters, etc., I drew the line. But there was an excitement about watching the bravest men of the New York Fire Department do their thing. While I watched from the safety of my stoops of Atlantis. This has been the Stoops of Atlantis with Mikey D. Stay tuned for future episodes as we journey back to that ancient mythical land that actually existed, East Harlem. And please join the Stoops of Atlantis Facebook page, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe on YouTube or iTunes. 
See you next time.